Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. In this episode, we have a visitor that's an old friend of ours that's just found out that he's a collector. He's going to tell us about some of the great pieces of memorabilia that he owns and some of the stories on how he got them, taking us through some legendary NFL players. It's all coming up with Scott Ferguson Green in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And we have another great collector coming on to talk about some pieces of his collection and how they affect and contribute to football history. So we're going to talk a little football history, talk a little bit of memorabilia with our good friend, Scott Ferguson Green. Scott, welcome back to the Pigpen. Thank you, Darren. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, Scott, you know, you have been on a, a, a bunch of times here, I, I believe. You know, I, I remember way back, uh, probably like three years ago, we talked about uh, your Phoenixville club, the Union Club of Phoenixville, and uh, some of the great things that they did. And, uh, you know, you really enlightened us with some of that stuff. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on here again to talk about some pieces from your memorabilia collection. So I never really considered myself a collector. What kind of got everything started was the fact that my dad re- actually received a autographed football from the 1964 Philadelphia Eagles. Practically the whole team signed wow. it. He, I believe he still has that. Um, and that was the first thing that I remember that my dad wanted to make sure he kept and preserved. And then recently um, he got in possession um, before Tommy McDonald passed away, he got into possession of a hat that Tommy McDonald had signed. And this was just about when he got into the, was inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And wow. so um, unknowingly, I started collecting some memorabilia or um, collector's items that I didn't even realize I had, as a matter of fact. And until you inquired, I didn't realize that I really do have <laughs> some collectibles. And um, one of the first things I, I collected was uh, there used to be a, a sports bar in Orange County that actually used to host Pro Bowl parties, the NFL Pro Bowl parties. And they would do that every year. And 
most of the time they would actually uh, raise money for charity. And I remember that the owner of the sports bar would bring in certain celebrities um, from the NFL to help raise money. And that's where I got to meet people like Eric Dickerson and Roman Gabriel and Mark Rippon. Um, and I know that one of the things to help raise money, they would have items to be auctioned and you would bid on them. And I decided at the time to bid on a jersey from um, John Randall of the Minnesota Vikings. Nice. And I did win that and he autographed it. And I still have it. It, it. I keep it very pristine. I keep it out of the light because uh, he used a purple marker to actually sign his name. And, and unless it's a black marker, there's a good chance that if it, it gets exposed to light too much that it'll fade. So I was very aware of that. So I kind of make sure I keep it preserved. But that was one of the first things that I, I collected. Um, now, don't they, uh, I believe, don't they have like some glass for some uh, Jersey case like that, that are like UV protected to, to prevent or to at least reduce the, the time it takes to, to, I think they have some stuff out on the market like that now. And I, I need to pick one up for that Jersey for sure. You know, um, but that was one of the first things that I ever collected. Um, and at, when they used to have those Pro Bowl parties, when having the former NFL players there, one of the things that I was able to get was an autograph uh, action photo from Eric Dickerson. And, and I met him and I told him, you know, when I met him that I used to love to see him run. And he looked at me with this little smile and he said to me, I was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll always remember that. Um, yeah, he but definitely. I was able to get a autograph action photo from Mark Rippon of the Washington Redskins. And that's when I first met Roman Gabriel of the Los Angeles Rams. I met him at one of those Pro Bowl parties and we actually became good friends that uh, we would write back and forth for years. And I still have a collection of handwritten letters, autograph photos that he would sign and when he would sign the autograph photos he always would put roman gabriel 1969 mvp on each <laughs> one of those and he was just a really really nice guy and i i really enjoyed um being able to correspond with him and talk football and i remember telling him in those days uh when i was a kid that the Marquee second game, if there were was a second game to a double header, was the 49ers Rams game because that game was always between the Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco 49ers, Roman Gabriel versus John Brody, the fearsome oh, foursome yeah. versus the uh offensive line of the 49ers. It would they were always classic games, always classic games, and so. It was kind of nice to, to be able to have those conversations with Roman Gabriel and talking about those days. And he is surprised at how much I used to remember with certain games, like the 1967 uh, L.A. Rams season 
and the 1969 LA Rams season uh, when they were just always trying to uh, stave off the Baltimore Colts in those matchups. And um, he says, you really remember all that? I said, absolutely. I said, because back then, those were the marquee games that were on CBS. Yeah, wow. I can't even – now you're going to make me go back and try to find some footage of uh, some of those Brody-Gabriel games because that does sound like a, a great matchup. And I still have um, a photo that he and I had taken at the Pro Bowl party, which I really do cherish because – I remember he was wearing a white cowboy hat and Roman Gabriel's a big guy. I'm a big guy. You know, I'm six one, I'm over 200 pounds, but Roman Gabriel is taller than I am. And he just, he was, must've been tough to bring down as a quarterback because this is a big guy. Um, and he always pretty much stayed in shape uh, even when I met him. So even after his playing days, he pretty much stayed in shape, but um, I, I really, truly um, cherish my friendship with him. Um, I know that most recently he's been going through a few health problems, um, but I, I would like, you know, at some point that if there are any pro football events out here on the West Coast that he, he would fly in from North Carolina. I don't know if that's possible, but it would be nice to be able to see him again. Yeah, I'm sure it would. And uh, I guess just a, an editor's note here for, for the listeners, you know, Scott uh, saying he's a, a tall individual. Well, Scott is also very flexible because we found this summer that uh, we can take uh, somebody with the height of Scott and uh, crunch him up into a ball and stick him in the back of a Toyota in the third seat of a Toyota and, <laughs> and drive across Pennsylvania. And uh, we did that. And Scott's probably still suffering from that. But uh, <laughs> we had a great little road trip. <laughs> well, it still was better than any airplane that I'm in, especially with, you know, them re reducing the space oh, yeah. in between oh. seats. So yeah, that's know. painful. <laughs> uh. One of the other um, really cherished collections that I have is um, I got signed photographs from the 1951 LA Rams elephant backfield, two of the three members. Really? Yes. Hmm. Deacon Dan Taller and Paul Tank Younger. And I have to tell you, I Paul Tank Younger was such a funny man. Like he would drop one-liners and just would just have you just cracking up. He had that type of personality that was symptomatic of the players of the 1950s NFL players that they didn't get much pay, but they played for the love of the game. And at that particular time, they always found ways to enjoy life. And I can tell you that Paul Tank Younger was one of those players. I really enjoyed talking to him. I still wish that he was alive today. And I really cherish having an autograph photo of he and Deacon Dan Taller. Um, and the fact that um, I got a chance to know him and have conversations with him because he was he's was just a great human being and just a just a really nice guy that you'd want to be around and have a couple of beers with because he like art donovan would just tell stories of a lot of different incidences that happened during the 50s and you would love to listen to paul tank younger but i i do cherish that particular 
um, piece of memorabilia that I have and I keep sacred. Oh, I'm sure you do. Now, let me ask you a question about, you know, the very first item you talked about, and I believe you said it belongs to your father, is, uh, you know, 1964 uh, autographed Eagles football. Who were some of the players that uh, were on that ball that signed it? I, Pete Retzloff was one of them. Okay. Uh, and um, Tommy McDonald, I believe, was still on that team. Um, I think it was just before Bobby Brown's um stint with the Eagles but I think he might have been on that um and I believe Sonny Jurgensen was on that um team and because he that was just before he got traded to the Washington Redskins those were some of the names that I do remember my dad because I was a little kid my dad would not let me touch that football for a long time <laughs> I bet. <laughs> you know, you, you get a actual authentic NFL Duke football, and he was not going to put that in the hands of little kids, that's for sure. Yeah, he'd uh, look out the back window and you're kicking it around the yard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow, very cool. So that's, that's probably like a couple years uh, after like Norm Van Brocklin or he's probably, he's probably gone by that point off. the Right. Norm, Norm Van Brocklin won the 1960 uh, championship with the Eagles as the starting quarterback and then retired right after that. Okay. Uh, because he ended up being the coach of the Minnesota Vikings just a couple of years later where he used to have those run-ins with Fran Tarkington. Right. Yeah, and then uh, he was with the, the Falcons too. Wasn't he their first coach yes. also? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. We, right. we, we had the opportunity, we talked to his daughter who wrote uh, sort of a, a memoir, a, a sort of a love story between uh, her father, Norm Van Brocklin, and her mother, their courtship while they were both attended Oregon. And it was uh, quite a beautiful story and a, a lot of good football to it. And we had a great conversation with her. So, yeah, he's uh, he's always on my mind here now. Right. Um, one of the other um, collections that I have that I really cherish is um, when L Lamar Lundy of the fearsome foursome uh, became ill, his son, Lamar the third and the other members of the fearsome foursome decided to have a fundraiser to help pay for Lamar Lundy's medical bills. So that was held um, in the early two thousands. And that was held at California state Fullerton, uh, football field and all the members of the fearsome foursome plus roger brown who replaced rosie greer after rosie um retired they, they were all there and they did a meet and greet to all the fans and then there was a photo that they had duplicated of the fearsome foursome and each member of the fearsome foursome signed that um, photo of the four of them. And I ended up getting two of them. I, I got one for my dad. And even to this day, when before my dad retired, he used to actually, he put that photo in a frame and put it up in his office uh, at work. And then after he retired, now he has it up in his office uh, back in, at his home my parents' home in New Jersey. And he's so proud of that because he would get a lot of comments on having that photo signed by all four members 
of the fearsome foursome. And I felt a little bit bad for Roger Brown because um, most of the photos that actually were duplicated was of Lamar Lundy, Merlin Olson, Deacon Jones, and Rosie Greer. And Roger Brown would sign autographs of him with the fearsome foursome, but they it wasn't staged. It wasn't, you know, set up as as the others. So, but he was very, you know, gracious about it. And, you know, he would sign autographs. And it was a pleasure meeting him. Roger Brown's a very nice man, you know. But I really cherish that and I I um keep that um for safekeeping. I don't have it in a frame. I do have it under glass right now. Um, because I just I just absolutely love it. And it's one of the the collectibles that I really it it values a lot to me, you know. Oh, so I, I, I bet <laughs> that's that's a pretty cool piece. And I got to meet Deacon Jones because of that particular event. Um, but also too, Deacon Jones, who was one of the most generous human beings I've ever met in my life. He and his wife, Elizabeth, set up a foundation called the Deacon Jones Foundation. And basically that foundation is to benefit inner city kids. And not only would benefit them financially, but also to help with their education. So they would set up scholarships. And I remember that Deacon used to have an event every single year and it was always during the day of the NFC and AFC championship games. And he would hold it at this place called it. It was called the Fox sports grill and that no longer exists, but uh, the building does, but it, they don't have the Fox sports grill anymore, but that's where he used to have it, which was in um, Irvine, California and Irvine, California is known for having the busiest movie theater on planet Earth. There is more traffic that goes through that movie theater. So the Fox Sports Grill was right next to it. And Deacon Jones used to have an event. And he used to always get celebrities to be able to come to that event. And I remember, for example, I got a chance to meet Lem Barney of the Detroit Lions, who... I swear is the best dressed former NFL player on earth. That man, his dress was impeccable. I always remember that Bobby Mitchell of the Washington Redskins. He would get Les Josephson, Marlon McKeever, his former Rams teammates. Of course, Roman Gabriel would show up. I remember one year Christian Okoye from the Kansas city chiefs was there. Bob St. Clair of the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and of course, Lamar Lundy, one of the most um, famous people that he actually had, uh, he got to appear there was Michael Strahan. No kidding. Wow. Michael Strahan has such an unbelievable, great personality that when you meet him, you can't help but just be mesmerized by his friendliness, his smile and his charm. And I remember that day that I met him uh, at the foundation event one year, Michael um, came up to me and I introduced myself and he looked at my sweatshirt because I was wearing a Philadelphia Eagles sweatshirt. 
he said, I hate the Eagles. <laughs> but, you know, that was that was my introduction to Michael Strahan. But what really made that day memorable is I got the opportunity to play Michael Strahan one-on-one basketball. They had set up a basketball court just outside the Fox Sports Grill. And there would be people driving by that would literally stop because Michael would recognize them, would hold like long, um, long conversations with the drivers going by as <laughs> as we were playing. And people were just like their mouths would drop because it's like, oh, my God, that's Michael Strahan. <laughs> but I, I got a chance to play him one-on-one basketball. Now, I I will say that I was talented in basketball. Um, I was a basketball all-star in Pennsylvania, my home state. And yet he kicked my butt. <laughs> he he was not – I was wearing a Philadelphia Eagles sweatshirt, so I don't think he was going to show any mercy on me whatsoever. <laughs> but not <laughs> – so, but, so, so were the people that were going by saying, hey, that's Michael Strand playing basketball against some guy. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like invisible to everyone else, you know. Um, but Michael was so gracious after the game was over, he actually gave me an NFC East um, football jersey, which I still cherish and keep because of the fact that it came from Michael Strahan. Um, yeah. He just, he just... What Deacon Jones did when he would bring um, people from the NFL to the foundation event, it automatically attracted people. And, you know, one of the biggest crowds that the foundation ever had um, each and every year was when um, Michael Strahan was there. Because those were announced just before the the event would begin. And I got to tell you, there... I never saw so many people crowded in one place. I'm sure that it came close to breaking fire codes, but it it was a uh, it was just fabulous, you know. And I'm I'm grateful that I got a chance to meet him and play him one on one in basketball. Yeah, that's that's a story that remember the rest of your life, and I'm sure anybody that saw it will probably remember too. So that's just those unique situations like that. Uh, basketball game with a former, uh, you know. NFL All Pro and Hall of Famer and everything else you can say about him, sack leader. <laughs> so absolutely, um, I I really loved the fact that Deacon Jones was able to want to give back, and that it didn't matter to him after his football career was over that he really cared about future generations because Deacon Jones was the best. And um, I still get to see his wife, uh, Liz, um, Elizabeth, uh, every once in a while, because they will still hold certain events. They don't hold them as regularly as they used to. Uh, I know that that was an annual event for the Deacon Jones Foundation to have it on the day of the NFC AFC championship games. And that was a big deal. We all always look forward to that event, but um, I really um, meant a lot to me and a lot of people that Deacon Jones really cared about future generations and would give back to the community and to be able to um, try to uh, do a lot of fundraising um, for those kids and to give them a chance. And 
that was just the type of person he really was. Well, that's that's great to hear that about uh, somebody that when you think about Deacon Jones, you just see, think about him, you know, this this fierce uh, competitor that's uh, you know wanting to rip somebody's head off on a football field, and uh, just you know be able to think of him in that light too. You know, off the field to be kind and uh, you know live up to the, their uh, stature uh, of being a great human being too. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I remember when he when his book came out, Head Slap. Everybody would would go up to him and just try to get Dinka Jones to just say it like like he used to say it on NFL films, head slap, you know. <laughs> that's, <laughs> and, pretty, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he was just he was fun to be around. He was a great human being. He cared about his teammates, especially those guys, Merlin Olson, Lamar Lunday, um, Rosie Greer. Roger Brown, he cared about his teammates and they remained close friends right until up until, I mean, Rosie Greer is the only one that is, that is left. I, Roger Brown, I think is still alive, but um, I remember um, meeting Rosie Greer um, again a couple of years ago. It was right after it was in the middle of the pandemic, but it made it a little bit more safe to be able to have events and so I got a chance to sit down and have a, a photo taken of me and Rosie Greer, um, which um, I still have and I still like, you know. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Boy, so you got to actually meet a lot of these uh, fearsome, foursome, you know, not not only to get in the photo, but actually meet them in separate occasions, too. So, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I think it's it's uh, an advantage to living in Southern California. Um, because of the fact that the warmer weather has attracted so many people um, here. And it, it's almost that you you can't go anywhere without running into someone who is very well known or who maybe have that famous status or, you know, and I've met a lot. As a matter of fact, I've met most of the uh, former pro football um, players here in Southern California than anywhere else in the country. And I come from a football state and, and, you know, where you live um, and where I live, football is a religion. And so you would, you would think that you'd be able to meet more of the people who've played the game, but you come to Southern California, there's, you know, a, such an incredible chance to be able to meet them because there's events that are held everywhere um, and it, it, you really get a chance to talk about pro football history, which they don't mind talking about, you know, in the days that they played. And they love to tell war stories. They love to tell stories about their playing days. And you get into really good conversations with them. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet. I mean, of course, uh, wouldn't you too, if you got to talk about uh, something that you were really good at and something you really enjoyed doing with a, a bunch of guys that you enjoyed being around and uh, had some success, you know, definitely you want to talk about those stories. That's probably fond memories for them and takes them back to a, to a happy place, I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm hoping to, you know, um, now that I'm very aware about um, collecting things, you know, from the days of pro football and um, I know that there'll be future events coming up um, here in Southern California, and I hope to meet more 
of the stars of yesteryear and even the current some of the current players uh, that are playing the game right now and, and get a chance to talk. And hopefully I'll be able to co- collect more things and add to my collection. Uh, Scott, we are so happy that uh, we were a part of you realizing that you are a collector. So that's a, that's a great thing. And you really have some really nice things. And you probably even have a bunch of other things that you're not even thinking of that are really pieces of memorabilia. And uh, I think probably in the coming weeks, you'll probably be walking by something or going through a drawer and say, oh, you know what? I have that too. And I have this. So you know, you're going to find that. And I think that's one of the magic uh, things of being a collector and uh, being a sports collector and football collector, uh, just a great thing. And you're going to see things all the time. They're going to remind you of that. And really thank you for uh, coming on today and sharing your collection and sharing this great history, you know, on and off the field from some of these greats uh, that played our game that we love to watch. And uh, we thank you for that. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. It was great talking to you. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.